A question for you, dear listener. When was the last time you went out to a bar to hear live music? I mean, the last time you went out to go see a concert and the only thing you were worried about was getting your beer at the bar and making your way back to your spot by the stage without spilling it. The last thing you were worried about or even thinking about was catching some deadly virus. Well, for me, that night was Saturday, March 7th, 2020. My wife and I had tickets to go see two founding members of one of our favorite bands, the Pogues, Spider Stacy and Kyder Reardon. Now, if you've heard this podcast before, you've probably heard me talk about Shane McGowan in some way, shape, or form. Shane is the lead singer and main songwriter for the Pogues, but Spider and Kat were there from the beginning and were responsible in large part for their sound and their early success. Now, we've been looking forward to this show for a long time, as we didn't quite expect it to be the last concert we'd see for months and months and months, but I've been a Pogues fan since I was in high school, and I just couldn't wait for this one. And I was just as curious, though, to catch the opening act in the band that was supporting Cat and Spider called the Lost Bayou Ramblers. The Lost Bayou Ramblers are a Louisiana band that plays traditional Cajun music, and in fact, they still sing it in the traditional French language. Now, it may seem like an odd pairing, Cajun music and Irish music, and it didn't take long to realize that this was something special, that we were seeing a fantastic show that we weren't going to forget for a long time. Of course, we all know what happened just days later when the world shut down. When the thought of going to a bar or a restaurant just sends me shivering. I can't imagine doing that right now. I can't even imagine doing that three or four weeks from now. It's just, who knows when we'll be able to do that again. But as hard as it's been for us, imagine being on tour. Imagine living the life where you are away from home, traveling city to city every few days, every few nights, and have it suddenly stop. And especially imagine that when it's one of the biggest tours of your band's career. Well, for this episode of Four Songs, I got a chance to speak with Louis Michaud, the main singer and fiddle player for the Lost Bayou Ramblers. I talked to Louis about this experience, what it was like to be in the middle of a show, in the middle of a concert run, and have it suddenly stop. And we also talked about how the partnership with Spider Stacy and the Pogues started. But more importantly, we talk about Louis's love and connection to Cajun music, and why after 20 years of doing it professionally, he keeps at it, and why it's still so interesting and exciting for him. We talk about four songs that span Louis's career, one with the Lost Bayou Ramblers, that was actually the initial development of the Spider-Stacy relationship. And then three from his latest side project called Misho's Melody Makers. These three songs were recorded live at a bar in New Orleans. And what's clear from talking to Louis is just his passion and his desire to play this music is as strong as it ever was. And it is in his blood. And I mean that literally. He can trace his roots back to Napoleonic France. And throughout our conversation... You can really hear that there is a commonality between the Pogues and the Lost Bayou Ramblers that's pretty obvious. They're both keeping alive an ancient form of music, staying true to the language and the culture, while also keeping it fresh. I spoke to Louis from his home outside of Lafayette, Louisiana, where a hurricane a few weeks before had dropped inches of rain, and you might hear him slap a mosquito or two from time to time. You can find out more about Louis and the Lost Bayou Ramblers and the Melody Makers at lostbayouramblers.com. As for now, just sit back and listen. Hey, Louie, how you doing? Hey, Rob, doing great, man. Appreciate you. Mosquito away. How's life under the pandemic? Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting, interesting six months for sure. We were right in the middle of a national tour with Pogatry and Lost Bayou Ramblers. You know, Lost Bayou Ramblers has been backing Spider Stacy. We had Cotter Reardon from the Pogues doing that thing. Ramblers would open the show and then back then we had a great tour going. I mean, one of the biggest tours we've ever done and it just got cut short right in the middle. And it was just obviously just complete shock. And then, you know, I, I went right to kind of virtual busking and such, which I'd always wanted to do. I always wanted to 
because I was I'm a big busker from back in the days. I used to play on the streets a lot. And I was always thinking, well, how cool would it be to use your Venmo on the streets? So I kind of did the next best thing, which is, you know, via social media. And then that kind of transformed into me doing a Patreon and just a bunch of like a lot of the festivals and shows we had booked were, you know, trying their best to hold their end of the contract up and do a virtual show, which was great. They really helped us out. I always believe in diversity. I believe in diversity with work and with ecological things and I think diversity is the way to have stability and I'm, I've always had a diverse income so to me right now I'm just trying to learn a new tool really which is how to make money staying around at home <laughs> which is nice in other ways so yeah well so we actually were at the, your show in Washington the poetry show and oh what, man yeah that was, that was the best one yeah well it was funny because I was thinking you know that was like our last normal night for you guys, you were in the middle of that. You were on tour and you were probably you know, watching the news about, are we going to pull the plug on this? So what was that like? Yeah, it was, I mean, you know, even that night, I feel like that was the first night that I was just kind of aware of mass gatherings because it was such a huge, amazing crowd so packed in. And then the next night we were in New York, which was at the time the first place to have confirmed cases and such. So just between that night and the next night, our awareness skyrocketed. And then we flew home the, the next morning after New York, planning to meet back up in Atlanta on the Thursday. And then I think on the Wednesday, which is the day before the show, I think talked to Spider and Louise and you know, they were just like, look, we're not, we don't feel like chanting. And I was like, you know, it's a great move because I don't think anyone does. And we just pulled the plug and, told the boys to drive the van home and that was it. Yeah, because it seemed like it, each day that week after that show, the news just got, you know, one day it was, okay, church is canceled. The next day it was no basketball. And then it's like, my God. And then you guys were just hitting your stride too. Yeah, exactly. We just went through Mardi Gras and, you yeah. know, yeah, we just go, I mean, go so hard all the time. And just to go from that consistent, speed of just playing multiple nights a week to just to zero was man it was but uh i must say that there's been so much support like when it first happened i started busking man i got so much support from people and still to this day someone just randomly venmoed me out the blue today and just oh. said stay strong and i just man it just kind of kind of warms your heart i mean be that people realize what you're going through and appreciate it because I think the music industry is unique in the fact that it it is the one that's <laughs> kind of almost has barely any chance of being able, you, you can't go half, you gotta go all. I mean, you could do the virtual thing, it's just not the same. So we'll be probably the one of the last industries back. So, you know, but the support has been pretty amazing. Good. Can you just talk a little bit about what draws you to this music and you've been doing it for I guess your whole life, basically, right? I mean, 20 years recording, but you don't just start recording this. I mean, I assume this is just part of you, if not all of you. You know, I, it, ha it has been part of my life since I was born. My dad and my uncles have a band called Le Frami Show. Grew up going to their shows. Hmm. And that's like some of my earliest memories of music. And it's been a part of, it's been a part of my life since the very beginning. And I even started playing professionally in the band around, I think, 14 years old. But it wasn't until 
I was like 18 or 19 that I started really realizing that this is some serious music, you know? I think that it was just so hard of me, it was hard to see the forest from the trees and it was hard to see it from the outside. So it wasn't still I, I took my first trip, you know, on my own traveling with my, one of my buddies from in high school. We went to Ireland after. I feel like it was there that I realized, wow, man, we have something very special at home that I'm a part of. And uh, when I was 18 years old, that I really started getting an appreciation for, for it as in like it, as its own music and for what it really is, and really seeing the language. And I'm I've been thinking about that a lot lately, where. I don't even know when I realized we had a unique language here that people spoke another language other than English because I feel like it was just such a part of growing up hearing old people speak French. I don't even know if I knew it was French or what. I just thought maybe when you grow old, you, you just spoke that language. You know, it's like, when do you come aware of what you're part of, you know? And uh, I went and traveled through Eastern Canada, hitchhiking around, learning French and learning the fiddle, playing on the streets and such. And at that time, my brother, Andre had been learning accordion back at home on my dad's accordion. So when I got back, we just both naturally had learned the lead instruments of the music we've been playing for many years together as the rhythm section. So I learned the language and the, and the lyrics and the fiddle and he learned the accordion and we started Lost by Rambles not long after that. So I'm just curious, for, for those who don't know a lot about you know, the Cajun music, what are, are the themes? They seem kind of similar to some of the bluegrass early stuff. From the century stuff, but the music you're saying of the songs, the theme, yeah, the lyrically, lyrically. A lot of the songs are about love and um, love gone wrong, and of course, as it's mostly saying through the male perspective, it's usually about woman, look what you did, you know, you hurt me so bad, and then you went away, and it's it's interesting because it is so often from the male perspective. My wife. Uh, Ashley with two E's, Ashley Michaud actually wrote a, ed edited and contributed to a book last year. It's about the women's place in all these songs because there's this song, there's this word, malheureuse, it means unhappy, but it means kind of unhappy woman and the feminine thing. And it's one of the most used words in Cajun music. It's like, oh, malheureuse, tu m'as quitté, malheureuse, and they'll just say it over and over and over. And it's all about, you know, unhappy woman and how you make me unhappy and all this stuff. It's very telling of whose perspective the music is coming from. And sometimes even when a woman sings Cajun music, she still sings it from the male perspective because it's that ingrained. I mean, the stuff I write about is a lot of love and a lot of malades, but um, a, a lot other thing I write about is, and it's something my dad kind of passed on to me because our dad, Tommy Michaud, he's not only an accordion player, he's a wildlife wetlands biologist. And he kind of raised us to be aware of not in these words, but climate change and uh, coastal erosion in particular. One other thing that I think of the top subject matter of Cajun music is like family stories, interesting family stories, paying homage to someone that, you know, of, of someone of notable character. You know, for example, like I wrote about my grandma who used to swim across Bayou Tesh in the middle of the night to go meet her friend, they go hunting on horseback and she'd have to sneak out and swim across the bayou at midnight in the middle of the night, which is a pretty scary thought. So yeah. we wrote a song about that. Well, let's get to the songs. So I mentioned, I'm gonna butcher these titles, but I wanted to start with Si j'aurais des ailes. Thank you. So this is from your 2017 Lost Bayou Ramblers, Sweet. your most recent Lost Bayou Ramblers album, correct? Calenda? 
no, we, we actually have an album that came out last, we, had, we have an album that came out in 2019 called Astaire. It was a 20 year anniversary album as well. It was a live album. So this calendar would be our last studio album, but yeah. Okay. Cijore Dizel is a great example of a very old traditional tune brought to a modern time. There's actually a lot of different versions of it. It means if I had wings, like the swallows, les hirondelles, I would come and lie next to you, ma belle. There's so many versions of it, and Spider and I started playing it, kind of just messing around, and we came up with our own version, and I kind of put my favorite lyrics of these different other versions from the past together. feels right for the penny whistle and the fiddle and it's uh and actually i don't even know if it's ever been played on accordion until kalenda because you know kg music didn't have an accordion like over a hundred years ago it was mainly a fiddle music so a lot of these songs come from a fiddle or vocal tradition i think this is one of them so it might we might have been the first band to add an accordion to this song maybe not but <laughs> it's uh it's really really fun to play with spider and it works both with poetry and lost by you ramblers what i was fascinated by it was how easily it seemed to go from the cajun number to almost sounding like an irish traditional number <laughs> It's a, it's a Cajun song, but I mean, a lot of the older Cajun music that's fiddle-based did sound a lot more like Celtic music in certain senses or certain European traditions. One, because they were fiddle musics, and two, because they actually did have some, some Irish, you know, there's, there's actually plenty of Irish fiddlers back in the day. Lyrically, you were talking about it earlier, but is this fairly a, a, a standard theme for a lot of the, the Cajun music. That song is particularly interesting because he's kind of saying, allons à la cantine, let's go to the canteen to drink and, and have a good laugh. And when you think of a canteen, you almost think of like a war camp, you know? And to me, that song brings me back to kind of possibly this Napoleonic era, mm. which a lot of, more i think a lot of these older songs possibly come from because you know he would be writing from a, away from his love if i could fly to you and lay down that would be like my my wish because uh and if he's at a canteen it sounds like they're it, to me i've always i haven't even thought about it. i think it's just subconsciously i've always thought that they were like off to war
we'll switch gears here and, and go to Michaud's Melody Makers. Yeah, Michaud's Melody Makers started in 2015, and it was really kind of came out of just me wanting to go play little gigs because, you know, the Ramblers have become such a big operation that we couldn't take a lot of little smaller gigs. And so I want some of them I still wanted to play. So I'd be like, well, I'll just come play it, you know, by myself or with some friends. And, uh, or sometimes I'd be like traveling, doing other things. And, or say even during a Ramblers tour, I'd like stay out, stay a day after and just get a little gig on the side from a, if I knew someone had a club or someone I wanted to play with. The main thing about it is it doesn't have an accordion. Accordion is fairly new in Cajun music, you know, in the last hundred years or so. And you guys have a new album that's coming, that's out now, Cosmic Cajuns from Saturn. And we'll be talking about three songs. So again, I need your help with this. The, the first song I want to talk about is Majolet Petit Filet. Did I get that anywhere close to right? That was, that was almost perfect. It's a Majoli Petit Fee. Okay. So this song, the literal translation that I could find is My Pretty Girl. And, I, and I, I know there are some older song versions of this from back in the 30s. What drew you to this song initially? Well, this song is by Leo Swallow. And Leo Swallow was a very interesting musician because he was the perfect example of someone who really came from tradition you know, he played with Mayus Lafleur. They were the second people to record Cajun music, and they recorded uh, original music, but also all this really old, old style music. And then he was, but he was such an innovator at the same time. And Majoli Petit Fee happens to be the song that had the very first drum set, not only in Cajun music but in country music as a whole, because they, wow. if you people classify cage music under country music and you can hear it. If you listen to the original recording, you could, you completely hear that, that this was not a traditional song. This was him being inspired by the popular music of the time, but of course doing it in French for his audience. And the drummer is just completely improvising kind of this call and response more than like just holding a rhythm, which I love. I love, I love dynamic drumming and like, it really working off of what's happening rather than just holding a one-two-one-two one, two rhythm. Who's playing drums with you on this? Well, it's actually Kirkland Middleton, who is the Ramblers drummer. He joined the Melody Makers when he was 19. And then he joined the Ramblers later, uh, or when he was, maybe when he was 20. So he, he was a Melody Maker first, and then he became a Rambler. And then Brian, who's the bass player, was a Rambler first, and then joined the Melody Makers as well. And I feel like there's also a bunch of effects going on in the background. And along with including, I think your vocal sounds like there's a little bit of an effect going on. Talking about traditional music, but kind of creating a bit of an atmosphere around it. How, how do you go about doing that? So it'd be a good time to mention the, the fourth member of the band, Mark Bingham, 
who is our 70-year-old guitar player. You know, we had a 19-year-old drummer who's now a few years older than that, and a 70-year-old guitar player, wide range. But uh, Mark Bingham, I mean, he comes from such an amazing background himself. He is creating a lot of the soundscapes. And then myself, I love basic just reverb and delay, but I only use one effect. Out of all my, out of all my rig, it's just I'm using different amps. So I have my fiddle plugged into one amp, and then it's also going into an old tape machine, a reel-to-reel tape machine that has speakers on it, which gives me a great kind of overdriven, you know, almost feedbacky tone. And the only the only effect I use is a space echo, which is a great classic reverb and delay. So I have like three different amps, you know, for the fiddle and vocals, and they kind of, I can kind of send them wherever I want, but I'm only using one effect. And then Brian, the bass player, is using a sampler as well. So he makes all kind of really cool samples. Sometimes he samples our own songs or he samples like spoken word from old Cajun French stuff, you know, and so he's making a lot of interesting noise going on too. And do you guys just, yeah, we're rehearsing? Is yeah, that we just. just we don't rehearse okay. <laughs> at all. <laughs> we do we do everything we do live, and and at, like sometimes after the show or before or whatever, we'll talk about it. We're like, man, that'd be cool if uh, you could do this or that. Or so lyrically on, on this one, uh, is there anything that stands out about it to you? Uh, just in Cage of French, we have a word that is a term of endearment, but. You know, it, it can go both ways. It can be a term of endearment or it can also be an insult. But he's using this term of endearment for, for himself, for his lover, and for the lover's other lover. <laughs> so, like, he's talking about everybody with the same word. And you really have to pay attention to see who he's talking about. You know, it'd be like, it'd be like if he said dude. He'd be like, oh, dude, my dude. You with your other dude, but uh, this dude's here all alone, dude. You know, he's kind of saying that kind of thing. And he's basically saying that, yeah, like, you promised me you'd be with me, but you're with this other one. But then it's all wrapped up in this, you know, th these lyrics that would be controversial today. But, you know, it's a whole nother story. You know, a lot of the other thing about Cajun French lyrics is a lot of it's made up on the spot. I borrow a lot of the words that he sang, but I'm also kind of making them my own at the same time. And it's, it's a very much a lyric poetry, an improvised lyric poetry. So a lot of it is just being made up on the spot, telling the same story in a different way. Great conversation, and I appreciate your time really greatly. So, two more songs I wanted to hit on. The third one is, and I'm gonna, again, need your help here. La Jumet de Michaud, did I get that? Yeah, uh, La Jumont de Michaud, oh. very close. So, La Jumont when, is a mayor. And when you close this one out, you know, I hear at the end you dedicate it to Uncle Bobby. 
I was kind of curious how you came across this one, and then I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, just how much music is passed down from family to family, generation to generation. Yeah, this is, a, this is an interesting one because this is, is a, still a very popular song in France. And Uncle Bobby learned this song, I think it's actually from Brittany, but it's known all over France. And in Brittany, they do this thing called the Fesnaws. It's their old uh, Breton, which is a Gaelic, Celtic. They have their own languages and all this. They still speak. And they do, I've been to one before and it was just mind blowing. It's like they all start locking arms and doing these big dances. And when we play it here, they start doing it. You know, it's like if there's a bunch of French people around, they'll all start doing this certain dance. And La Jumon de Michaud, the interesting thing is, it actually mimics and uh, mirrors words of modern Cajun songs. So you can see where certain modern Cajun songs, namely Jean-Ton Lelou, Le Renard et La Balletta, which the Balfour brothers made famous, but hey, they might've got that from France as well. But it's an old French song about the Michaud family. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny because it's, it's about us and it's very much about us because it's about how this horse ate all its hay during the summer and was, was uh, regretted it in the winter, which is very much like us. You know, we're, the Michauds were big eaters and we'll go eat everything and then there'll be nothing left. So we'll have to starve for a few days until we find another pile of food or a... <laughs> So I'm curious when you can keep the, the language the same, is, is there something that gets lost when you, when you were to put this in English, if you were to translate it, just because I know English is not a very romantic, it's kind of a clunky language, but you know, the French or the, even like Irish or Spanish is such a, you know, romance languages is, do you lose something when you, if you were to translate this into sing it and sing it in English? Most often, yes, it's really hard to translate these songs. I have found myself in the position to do it when it works right. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, this actually translates nicely into English, so I'll do it. But overall, the rhythm of the French language and the Cajun French language is part of the music, so it doesn't work as well in English. But at the same time, you know, there is like a lot of influence of American music and it's definitely an American music by now, especially. Sometimes you can translate into, into English with enough class to where it sounds good and enough rhythm. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you know, I kind of make the, the metaphor sometimes it'd be like singing salsa in German. It's just not mm -hmm. the same. Well, I think the the last number I want to talk about the the medley is a good way to wrap this up, and because there is English and then there's French parts of it. 
So you said you don't rehearse, but I got to think that did this just kind of come together and you just said, okay, guys, give me 16 minutes and we'll go. And how did it come together? <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's the great thing. We rehearse live and that we've worked on that medley live a hundred times where at first it was like, Oh, let me do this medley that the Ramblers did with on Vermillionaire called homage Avaris, where it's a virus Connor waltz. And then it goes straight into the two step. So I basically took that and then I went into another song called Rye Whiskey. to another old Le Frère Michaud song called Leave the Tabac, uh, A Pound of Tobacco. I made love at Uncle, Uncle Bob's for a pound of tobacco and Aunt Bob chewed it until her lips turned green and Uncle Bob smoked it until his pipe turned red. And then I go in, and I could go into a few other songs from there, but I go in, into the Sawmill Rag and into Indiana Stomp by the Balfour Brothers of Sauvage Center Chico. But we have played this medley many times where I've, you know, like I said, at the end, after the song's finished, I'll, I'll be like, hey, when I, when I hit this part next time, when I hit this part, do this. Hmm. So we kind of work the arrangements as we go, but it takes, and sometimes it'll take five more performances, five more gigs to get that one change, you know, yeah. to nail it. So we just build it as we play. We end the song with an Ethel May Bork song that is very, very special to me. It's a song that she actually gave me and my family. I released her music recently on Nouveau Electric Records. And you, you hear in the very first track, she says, I sang this song to my father for a whole week. He, uh, he had pneumonia, his lungs had collapsed and he was in pain and he didn't have any medicine. This, this guy, Sidney Bork, who's on the very first Lost by Ramblers album cover, and he was one of the only people I knew that didn't speak English. He raised all of his own food. He really lived that old way of life and didn't barely have a penny to his name. To, she said, just said on and on when she'd stop singing, he'd start moaning and groaning. And she said, you want me to keep singing? He'd nod yes. And she'd keep singing it. And she gave us that song. It was actually my wife and I's first date back in 2003. I needed a ride to meet her for the first time because I never met her. I knew her dad, Sydney, who the song's about, but I never met her because she had moved away by the time I was around. So she moved not far, but I just never knew her. So when she got in touch, 
because um, her dad was on the cover, we had got in touch with them and she got back in touch and said, I want to give you this song. It was that song and it's La Vie d'un Pobre Malheureux. And like I said, Malheureux means an unlucky or unhappy person. And then Ethel May would translate all of her songs straight to English and do an amazing job. And it's interesting because like in French, we use certain words as transitional words like uh, mais, uh, just to kind of get rhythmically to another verse or to another word. And she would use a whole completely different set of English words to, to fill space. Like, don't you know, don't you see for I was, you know, and these kind of, and they, they were kind of, they're very English in interesting English dialect. Not at all how she spoke, <laughs> you know, almost like this kind of fairy tale English. She had this song about that she sang to her father, but then she kept it going for other parts of her life. So it was like this, this life story in five parts. And the first part that I sang on the medley is about her father. It was the one she sang to her father as her, his pain medication on his deathbed. And the second one is about Hurricane Andrew. Mm -hmm. And she has that in English and French. Uh, and she says in 1992, there was a hurricane, Hurricane Andrew. And it talks about her house, and these are places where I spent a lot of time at this house, which she no longer lived in because of Hurricane Andrew. She lived in a trailer. You know, she talks about the different rooms and then and how people came and helped her, and they wanted her to move to town because she was devastated. She said, I'm not leaving my land. I'm staying right here on my grandfather's land, and I'm not leaving. So they pitched in and got her a trailer, and she was there ever since. She ended up having to evacuate in Hurricane Gustav in 2008 and went to Arkansas to live with her son, and she passed away there a few years later. So that was the last time I saw her was in 2008. So when you do the song, then that must bring back a lot. Yeah, I think I, I, think I actually shed a few tears during that recording, and I could feel the, the crowd was really hearing it and really listening. It burns my central unit, but the house is still there. Well, I've got friends over here, and I've got friends over there. You know I've got friends for the rest of my days. Ethel May Park, y'all. And, you know, some people think it's my song and that it's my story, or they don't know, but it, to me, it's like it's Ethel's story, and there's so much more that goes along with it, which is the great part. You can sing that song for 20, 30 minutes on its own, you know?
By the way, I greatly appreciate your time. Uh, as we wrap up, is what's what's next? I mean, where do you see things? Where do we go from here? That's a great question. I'm just honestly taking it day by day. We did a few little filmings with like Lost by Ramblers, Soul Creole. We shows Melody Makers just got our first filming gig, like you know, virtual show in New Orleans in a month. Otherwise, you know, really just taking it day by day and, you know, not trying to jump the gun because we already tried to rebook our Poketry tour a few times mm. only to have to cancel it a few times. I've really been working hard on setting myself up, like physically, like for, to be able to record as much music as I can. I've been really trying to set up my own studio and just my little personal studio as well as trying to, you know, work on something larger. So I think, you know, I think that once it does come back, it's, it might, it, it ha there's the possibility that it'll come back strong and that it'll come back, you know, where unfortunately I think a lot of venues will close and have already closed. Hmm. But I think the ones that make it and new ones that open, people will be really ready for it. So I have no doubt that we'll be up and running and up and, working very hard again one day in the future but until then you know we all have to survive and make it so we're all trying to work on long-term plans it's just hard to say man it's still day by day you know? yeah. it is really is just day by day so i'm i'm considering going back to busking again soon actually hmm. well so what <laughs> but, can people what can people know, like who are fans what can we do to help musicians out during this period no, I think that's a great question because I think the, the other thing is everyone's going, I'll say myself and most artists that I follow are going through a kind of roller coaster of, of events where, you know, at certain times there'll be a lot of virtual work and you'll do a lot of videos or online performances, live streams and such. And then there'll be periods of nothing. And, you know, I think that the best thing that the fans can do is just, just kind of stay tuned and check in. And honestly, my Patreon has come to be my biggest source of inspiration because for a bit there, I was doing live performances every week and I was doing a radio show, but it kind of got hard to do. It's like, as I said, as the roller coaster goes, you don't know where it's going to bring you. And it's like for about a month or two, I was in this space where I could do this multiple times a week. And then it just kind of took me completely out of it and I have had to shift my focus elsewhere. And then a hurricane came and then I'm, you know, trying to, to do other things. Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, but the Patreon has been a really great source of inspiration because I've been kind of trying to post this experience to my patrons and my Patreon followers. And they've just had amazing feedback, which has been great because it's like, that's the only fan or friend or, you know, fellow artist feedback I've been getting. So, you know, it's like, it's like, hey, I'll be like, hey, y'all, wasn't able to do a live stream this week because there's a hurricane or because I'm, you know, trying to work on this, fixing this houseboat to turn it into my future office studio. And the response has just been great because they kind of share what they've been going through. They just are encouraging or say, hey, we understand. And it's like, gosh, it's, it's really tricky to not get caught in the pressure to perform or to deliver because these are very unprecedented special times you know i think it's really just i think the most helpful thing is just to kind of 
try to encourage people in whatever they're trying to go through that we're here to support you. And whether it be just financially or emotionally or, you know, just even a word of support is, is, goes a long way, I'd say, with most artists. Thank you for listening to this episode of Four Songs. We got some more content coming your way. So I appreciate you staying in touch, subscribing, and maybe even leaving a review every now and then. So till next time, we'll see you.